want to take a poll while I'm standing here. I want to find out something. How many of you have heard, seen, or heard of books called The Hidden Books of the Bible? Or Secret Books of the Bible? The Forbidden Books of the Bible? Anything like that. How many have heard, heard or seen something like that? Look around. Turn your heads and look around. Okay? This stuff is out in our culture. These basically are all talking about the same group of, of writings. I want to talk about those this morning. How many of you have heard of the Gospel of Thomas? Well over half. The Gospel of Judas. Yeah, almost the same number. Yeah, the Gospel of Thomas has been gotten a lot of attention for the last several decades. Gospel of Judas got a lot of attention a couple years ago. Uh, how about the Gospel of Jesus' wife? Anybody hear about that one? Yeah, one, couple of them here. That was eventually, that was shown recently to be a fraud, by the way, if you're, if you're uh, interested in those things. Anyway, if you'd bring up the first slide. I saw this ad in the Smithsonian Magazine. Okay? That's not the National Enquirer. It's not the Sun. It's not even people. Okay? This is a serious magazine, has serious articles in it, and yet here is an article or an ad by the Great Courses Company. This is an outfit that records video and audio tapes, top professors all over the country in their specialties. People that are considered the best teachers in their, in their fields, this con- company comes in and records them, and you can buy the audio or videos of these top professors teaching, but they've got a big, thick book. They've got hundreds and hundreds of offerings. If you want astrophysics, you can get the best guy in the country in astrophysics. You want 17th century French Impressionism, you can, you can get it. That company, very serious, high-level company, puts this ad in a very serious, high-level magazine. I saw that, and I thought, wow, this has hit the mainstream. They are really, really pushing this. A couple things, I need to define a couple terms here. Right there at the top, in the name of the um, collection, apocryphal. Apocryphal means hidden or secret. Don't confuse this with the term the apocrypha. The apocrypha is a collection of literature that's between the Old Testament and New Testament in time period. Um, different Different groups of Bibles have them. The Roman Catholic Bible has the apocrypha, that collection. That's not what we're talking about today. It's a related idea, apocryphal, meaning hidden or secret. It can also uh, be used in the sense of something that should be kept out of sight. Like, in this case, these fakes should be locked in a drawer somewhere because these are not trustworthy. So that's the way the word apocryphal is being used here. You also see the word Gnostic in here. Uh, The second paragraph, second line down, survey of the Gnostic vision of the Gospel of Judas. The Gospel of Thomas is a Gnostic gospel. Gnosticism was a movement um, based in Greek philosophy called Neoplatonism that affected Christianity, affected Judaism, affected a lot of different groups. Very influential for several hundred years, just after the time of the New Testament. Gnosticism was an actual religious movement 
that um, crossed paths with Christianity was a rival with, with Christianity, a direct rival. It's based on the word knowledge, gnosis. That's the Greek word for knowledge, where we get our word knowledge. And the idea is there's nothing wrong with you. Everybody has a divine spark, but you don't know it. And you need to receive secret knowledge that you'll know what you actually truly are. So there's no Savior dying for you. There's no sin. We're not talking about that. This is all based on knowledge. So what's wrong with the human race is completely different than Christianity. What represents salvation is completely different. Jesus holds a completely different place. Even the understanding of cosmology, the world, the creation, how everything works together is completely different. So these are two incompatible systems, Christianity coming out of Judaism and Gnosticism. But Jesus was so influential that the Gnostics, some of these Gnostics, tried to pass off their Gnostic writings under the name of other people, particularly the apostles. There are Gnostic works with almost every name you can think of attached to Jesus. There's a Gospel of Matthew, different from the Gospel that's in our Bible. There's a Gospel of Mary, a Gospel of Judas, Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Thomas. You've heard of that one. Bartholomew's Book of the Resurrection, Gospel of the Twelve Apostles, Book of John the Evangelist, and it goes on and on and on and on. There also This group is called the Pseudopigrapha. Anybody, what's the word pseudo mean? False. False writings. As a group, these are known as the false writings because they all claim to be written by somebody close to Jesus when, in fact, they're not. They're all way too late. Some of these are 400 years after the time of Jesus. Okay? There's no way that anybody that knew Jesus wrote that. So, in that sense, they're frauds. There's a couple different kinds of them. There's what's called infancy gospels. That's where you get people trying to fill in the blanks on Jesus' early life. I mean, what do you see in the New Testament? After you leave the nativity stories, you know, the wise men, you know, all that, what's the next thing we hear about Jesus? He's 12. We get that one little story in the temple, and then when? It jumps, he's almost 30 years old. There's these huge gaps. Well, people wanted to know, hey, what happened with Jesus in that period? Well, People filled in the blanks. These are probably maybe not even really at the time considered to be taken seriously as serious works, almost like historical fiction. So they fill in the Gospels, the Gospel stories about Jesus' boyhood. This is where you get the story of Jesus making clay birds, little, little Jesus making clay birds by a stream and clapping his hands together and they fly off and start chirping as they fly away. There's also the crucifixion and resurrection gospel. Same thing. People trying to fill in the blanks. Want to know more. What happened at the resurrection? Who was doing what? What happened? There's a whole bunch of um, these crucifixion and resurrection gospels. Odd stuff there sometimes. For instance, there's a talking cross. The cross actually speaks in one of these. But then there's the third group is the Gnostic gospels. And that's what I want to focus on. That's what the gospel of Thomas represents. So the outline says fictions, fantasies, and forgeries. Fictions because the information in these works isn't true. Cannot possibly be true. Doesn't matter what they claim, it's not true. Therefore, it's fiction. Okay, that's one F. Fantasies, the infancy gospels. 
Jesus, really, Jesus making little clay birds, little boy clapping his hands, and they come to life, and they fly away chirping? I think fantasy is a pretty good, pretty good description for stuff like that, or a talking cross. Kind of odd, kind of, you know, fantasies, forgeries. In a sense, they're all forgeries, but it's particularly focused on the Gnostic Gospels because these are deliberate attempts to pass off Gnostic teaching under the names of Christian and people around Jesus. So those are forgeries. They are not what they claim to be. They're not written by Mary, Peter, Philip, etc. So they're forgeries. So I want to focus on the Gnostic Gospels and particularly Thomas because it's the one that gets the most attention. Okay, would you bring up the, the first slide? I want, I want to compare a sample of Jesus' teaching out of one of the four New Testament Gospels, compare it with part of the Gospel of Thomas. So most people would recognize this. This is out of the Sermon on the Mount. You are a light. This is the words of Jesus. You are a light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I just pulled that out somewhat at random. Most of Jesus' teachings are very, very clear. Very challenging, but they're very, very clear. So that's an example of Jesus' teaching out of what I'm going to call one of the authentic Gospels. Now let's look at the Gospel of Thomas. The the name there, Maryam, is, is a form of Mary. Simon Peter said to them, meaning the rest of the apostles, let Mary go out from among us, for women are not worthy of the life, meaning salvation. Catch that, ladies? Jesus said, look, I will lead her that I may make her a male, in order that she too may become a living spirit, resembling you males. For every woman who makes herself male will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ladies, any reaction? (laughs) You read that and you go, what? What? Does this sound like Jesus? Does this sound, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Does this sound like anything Jesus ever even came close to saying? No. Completely different, completely unrelated. It gets worse or better depending on how you... Look at it. Next slide. This is, another, this is another section of the Gospel of Thomas. The Gospel of Thomas is not a gospel in the sense of what we're used to. We have stories about Jesus. The Gospel of Thomas is a collection of sayings. It's just one story or one short story. You know, Jesus said to this to the apostles, one saying after another, there's 114 of them. Okay, it's just sayings. This is one of them. Jesus saw some infants who were being suckled. They were nursing. He said to his disciples, these infants being nursed are like those who enter the kingdom. Does this sound familiar to anybody? There's something sort of like that in the New Testament. He talks about entering the kingdom as a little child. It's got, there's like an echo of that idea there. Then they said to him, they being his disciples, if we become children, shall we enter the kingdom? And Jesus said to them, when you make the two one, And when you make the inside as the outside, and the outside as the inside, and the upper as the lower, and when you make the male and the female into a single one, so that the male is not male and the female is not female, 
And when you make eyes in place of an eye, and a hand in the place of a hand, and a foot in the place of a foot, and an image in the place of an image, then you shall enter the kingdom. I'm ready to start a new denomination on that. That'll preach. That's good stuff. You go look at that and you go, what the heck? (laughs) Does this sound like Jesus? Jesus said some things that were kind of difficult to understand. This is a whole different level. Look at slide five. This is not the words of Jesus. This is Gnostic. This is, a, this is out of a Gnostic. It's called the, um, the Gospel of the Egyptians. This is an ex, in the middle of an explanation about, we might call cosmology, where everything comes from. I couldn't pull this off in the first service. I got to try this. You need a James Earl Jones um, Darth Vader kind of voice to to make this sound more important. So I'm gonna. Domadon Doxamedon came forth. <sighs> the icon of the icons and the throne with is in him and the powers which surround him, the glories and the incorruption. The father of the great light who came forth from the silence. He is the great Doxamed. Never mind. Okay, I'm done. Can I? Uh, which is the thrice male child, in which the thrice male child rests. And the throne of his glory was established in it. This one on which his unrevealable name is inscribed on the tablet. And those brackets means there's a, there's a hole in the manuscript there. One is the word, the father of the light of everything. He who came forth from the silence while he rests in the silence. He whose name is an invisible symbol and a hidden invisible mystery came forth. And there you go. Those are what in Gnostic Gnostic literature, they talk about the seven sacred vowels. There are the seven sacred vowels, each of them. Um, if Michelle pulled it off, it should be there 22 times because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and apparently they thought that actually meant something. So, a hidden invisible mystery came forth and there it is. And I still don't know what it's about. And neither do you and neither does anybody else. (laughs) This is Gnostic. This is Gnostic. This is in the middle of a longer work. You want to see something that will just make your head spin. You want to read it. I've got a copy of it if you want to read it. Um, You're going to have to really want it, though. It's a tough read. Does this help? Is this accessible? That's the the whole thing. It's secret. If you join their group, then you're clued in on the secret. And this will bring you salvation. That's Gnosticism. That's what Gnosticism is. Anything attached to this sort of bizarreness ought to be suspect. Well, the Gospel of Thomas is. The Gospel of Thomas is Gnostic. Key phrase, the thing about when the male, uh, the female ceases to be the female and all that, that's a Gnostic thing about the, the physical world, the physical, our physical bodies are actually evil. Reproduction is evil. That's not the Bible. God made everything and it said what? It is good. It says, no, all the material world's bad. That right there is a hint, or not a hint, a, a major clue why this is not compatible with Christianity. Anyway, so we've got 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John saying one thing, and we have these other gospels and other works saying something very, very different about Jesus. Who do we trust? Who do we believe? Who should we believe? How do we sort that out? Well, let's think for a minute. Let's think about the life of Jesus. Who were the people that were the closest to Jesus? His disciples, and particularly, there was a smaller group. The apostles, the twelve. Then inside that, there was actually an even smaller inner group. So who are the people closest to Jesus? The apostles. Who was with Jesus day after day after day for most of three to three and a half years? Who heard him teach over and over and over, hour after hour after hour? Who sat with Jesus by the campfire at night when they were traveling and talked and talked and talked? Who talked with them on the road when they were walking everywhere? The apostles. Who knows what Jesus said? If anybody knows, the apostles know. Okay? That's not rocket science. That's just thinking a little bit. Who knows? The The four New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the gold standard of reliability because it comes from the apostles. You can't get anything closer to Jesus than the apostles. And all four of those Gospels, their sources are the apostles. Who's Matthew? also known as Levi, tax collector, one of the 12. Who's Mark? Mark's not one of the original gospels or one of the original apostles. He's Peter's traveling companion and interpreter and compiler. Mark's gospel is Peter's gospel. That's Peter's, it's firsthand information. Who's Luke? Okay, He's he's a traveling companion and friend of the apostle Paul. He's close to an apostle. And it says in the beginning of his gospel that he interviewed all the eyewitnesses to get all the information. Who's he talking to if he's talking to eyewitnesses? Some of those are apostles. He has apostolic sources also. Who's John? An apostle. And one of the inner circle. One of the inner circle. Are they pretty close to Jesus? Should they know what Jesus actually said and did and what he meant? Is there anybody that would be closer to Jesus than these than his apostles. No. Which means you can't get any better. That's the gold standard. You cannot get any closer to Jesus than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Cannot be done. It's not rocket science. Here's another way to look at it. What's the earliest New Testament gospel? Jesus dies about A.D. 33. What's the earliest gospel? When was it written? Anybody know? No, a gospel. Galatians is really early. It may even be earlier than, the, than this earliest gospel. So would First and Second Thessalonians are also really early. The first gospel is probably Mark, and it's written in the mid-50s. Jesus dies in A.D. 33. How far away is 55? 22 years. That's really, really close. You still have eyewitnesses all over the place. And that becomes an important point because... You can't make stuff up if there's eyewitnesses around. And there are tens of thousands of eyewitnesses around at the time this is being written. Mark can't fabricate things about Jesus. There's too many people that know the truth. So by AD 55, 22 years after Jesus' death, Mark's gospel is in writing. What's the earliest apocryphal gospel? Probably Thomas, probably 150 years after Jesus. 
So Mark's about 22 years after Jesus. Thomas is about 150 years after Jesus. Who's the most likely to have anything trustworthy about Jesus? 22 years or 150 years? This is pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy call here. Or look at it this way. The last of the four Gospels, John is 100 years closer to Jesus than the earliest apocryphal gospel. The extremes, there's a 100-year gap. John's probably written in the late 80s. Thomas is written after 150. They don't, they're, they're completely different types of literature. They're, com- they're so far removed. The apocryphal works are so far removed from the life of Jesus they don't have any reliable information in them. There's nothing there you can trust. They're too far away. It doesn't matter who they said wrote the thing. It wasn't written by John. It wasn't written by Mary. It wasn't written by Bartholomew or anybody else they fill in the blank. The apocryphal literature, all of it, is too late, too far removed from Jesus' time to contain any reliable information. Some of the apocryphal materials are three or 400 years after the time of Jesus. So bring up that first slide again, if you would, the, um, the ad. Right there under the, the picture of the, of the course. What does the New Testament leave out? The implication is what? There, yeah. Something's hidden. Maybe there's it's kind of the implication that maybe there's something else that should have been there. And it's like, why was it left out? Okay, from what I just told you, Answer the question. What was left out of the New Testament? Junk. (laughs) Fictions. Fantasies. Forgeries. Here's a couple other. If you like alliteration, here's two more words that start with F. Frauds. Fables. That's what was left out. That's what should have been left out. They don't deserve to be side by side with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the rest of the writings that come from apostles. They're a completely different category of literature. But there are people that are pushing this thing. Look at the, um, some of the wording in the rest of this ad. Um, the first paragraph there about the fifth line, fourth line down. Much of what we know about Jesus today actually comes from the apocryphal gospels, letters, and more. That is absolutely categorically not true. It's in an ad from a reputable country in a high-level reputable magazine, and they made a statement there that is blatantly false. There's an agenda here somewhere. Somebody's trying to sell something here. They're too far away from Jesus. Anything coming out of the apocryphal gospels, you can't say we know anything. If it's not trustworthy about Jesus, then you don't know anything about Jesus. It's not a source of actual knowledge. You following what I'm saying? A little bit farther down. You can encounter a rat of the next paragraph. You can encounter a radically different view of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Thomas. We saw that. Pretty radical. So radical that it makes you go, hmm, I don't think these two. <laughs> come from the same source. They're too different. Next line. 
by exploring the stories and ideas that shape the foundations of Christian thought. Hold it. Stories and ideas that shape the foundation of Christian thought. The foundations of Christian thought were in place before these things were ever written. And they're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Those are the foundations of Christian thought and Christian theology. And they're all in place before the Gnostic stuff ever shows up. Another blatant misrepresentation of the actual historical truth. And they continue to influence Christianity today. Not if I have anything to say about it. And this is, this is my small-scale attempt <laughs> to do something about that. And hopefully there are other people that are pointing this out. There are books being written. There are seminars being given that are flagging these untruths about the apocryphal literature. It's not true. It can't be true. It's not trustworthy. But you have things like this in reputable magazines. Something's up. There's agendas behind this. Because it's very easy to sort out what's the best, the stuff that's the closest. Then why would anybody go, oh, but let's look over here. Look over here. We've got other, we just found this other manuscript. We just found that, but maybe it'll tell us something about it. Maybe, well, it was written 400 years later, but we're going to go with it. You know? There's an agenda there other than finding out what's the closest to Jesus. The New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the most trustworthy sources of information we have about Jesus, period. No ifs, no ends, no buts. That's the bottom line. And there cannot be anything as good or better because of how close they are. You can't get any closer than the apostles. Not possible. So what do you need to remember? On your outline, if you're filling in your outline, under the New Testament, all New Testament documents are from the first century. Everything is in writing in the first century. Before A.D. 100, Jesus dies about A.D. 33. By A.D. 100, the entire New Testament collection, all the writings that we have and call the New Testament, they're all in writing. They're done. They're all written within the lifetime of eyewitnesses. That's point two. That's very valuable because you can't tamper with the story when there's a lot of eyewitnesses around. It adds a level of trustworthiness. And the third, all New Testament documents, and that includes the Gospels, are based on eyewitness apostolic information. You can't get any better. Those three things together virtually guarantees the trustworthiness and the reliability of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. None of the apocryphal works come even close. There are no writings about Jesus that are better or more trustworthy than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are no other writings about Jesus that are as trustworthy. There are no equals. We already have the best, the most trustworthy info that we could have. <laughs>